study in the book of Ephesians with power moves, the last thing we've looked at is the armor of God and how that prepares us for the battle to stand for Christ and the cause of Christ and the expansion of the kingdom of God. And then in the very last verses, and there's debate on these last verses at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, did Paul intend that this section on prayer would be the seventh piece of armor, or is it more of an all-encompassing thought that as he looked at the six pieces of armor, he came to a conclusion and said, you know what, the six pieces of armor don't even really work if you're not completely committed to prayer. Either way, our battle is victorious when we utilize the communication and the relationship we have with Christ to be able to talk with him, which is simply what we call prayer. So at the end of Ephesians chapter six, where we are today, we're going to look at these elements of prayer, these kind of characteristics of prayer in verses 18 through 24, and basically recognize this is a moment where the apostle Paul tells us we have reinforcements. We're not by ourselves in this process of living for the cause of Christ. We have friends, we have community, we have relationship that we can go to both in Christ, in God, in that relationship with him, as well as with one another. And so we pray for one another. And you see that lived out each and every day as you get involved in the church, as you get involved in the community, you'll become a part of a Bible study, small group class, you'll see prayer lists there, you'll be asked, you were probably, if you visited one of those classes, This morning, you were probably asked if there were any prayer requests or you heard some prayer requests all afternoon. Emails will go out about different prayer needs and things that are happening in the church. And in our church, and I don't mean this in a a bragging sort of way, um, because it seems kind of counterintuitive to brag about prayer, but I can tell you, in our church, when those prayer lists go out, people pray. And people are concerned about what's happening in our lives and they're there with us and they're praying for us consistently and constantly. And so it's a, it's a great part of who we are as a community and we need the reinforcements. We aren't designed to be alone and isolated and when we become a Christian, we're even less designed to be isolated and alone. God created us for community. God created us for relationship. Relationship with him that manifests itself with relationship for one another. And so we share things in community and we have that extra strength. Now let me take just one parenthetical moment and say as we leave the book of Ephesians and this message series we call Power Moves and we conclude with prayer, we're gonna start next week with prayer again. So let me just give a, we don't normally make these kind of transitions real obvious, but a lot of things shift and change and are happening this fall. We'll move out of this series into a series called Let's Go, which is also the name of our relocation capital campaign and building program. Everything we're a part of here physically has already been sold, it's already been liquidated, that money is on reserve in investments and we are in the process of moving to a completely new campus without a lot of the hindrances that we have here on this campus. I was actually yesterday, uh, the former worship pastor and I were together for a friend of ours funeral service here and he was asking how things were going. He was on staff when the church made the decision 22 years ago um, to relocate. He was on staff, wanted to know how it was going and I was updating him and he said, oh, I'm so grateful. And he said, if you're a guest with us for the first time and you're in this room, he said the same thing that's very true and, and many of us recognize. If this is the only room you've ever been in on campus, then you're sitting there probably going, why would they relocate? 
I would invite you to visit any other room on this campus other than this room. He just, I, as we were talking, as he said that, he started shark, shaking his head and he said, you guys so desperately need a new campus. And all those studies and all that research was done um, and came to that conclusion. Property was purchased, 34 acres, still here in the heart of Tomball. We're not changing the nature of our ministry at all with this transition. Actually, we're extenuating everything in our core values in the new location and in the new place. But that all starts this fall. So we're gonna shift from Ephesians to the book of Acts. And we're gonna go back to the very beginning of the church. Not the 114 years of this church, but the over 2,000 years of the church of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna study this fall those first 12 chapters in the book of Acts. And that just vision for mission and outreach and ministry and lives being changed and touched as God establishes his church and as the church learns who it is and how to get along with one another and how to do the things that Christ expects of us. And we're gonna study that throughout this fall with a, with a huge goal towards moving towards our, our commitment moment in November. And most excitedly, one of my good friends here, Nick, um, asked me this morning, he said, I haven't heard an update. What's the update? Well, you're about to hear updates all fall because we are moving towards that commitment in November. We are moving towards groundbreaking on December 3rd. You can go ahead and write that in. It's on our calendar as a church. We have a great night in store for that. I've already talked to several dignitaries in the area that wanna be a part of that evening and the things that are taking place. We should tomorrow, now you need to remember, and if you're new to me, you need to understand I announce things before they're scheduled to be announced. And so this isn't a special uh, official press release. But if everything is correct tomorrow in the building team meeting, we should have final site plans from the civil engineers ready to submit those to the city of Tomball for permitting. By November 1st, we should have a permit in hand. And on December 3rd, when we have a groundbreaking Christmas party, um, there should already be bulldozers on the property and taking place. We're, this moves the entire construction process up four months. Now, if something goes wrong tomorrow and, and submitting for permit gets delayed two weeks, don't find somebody on the building team and say, well, you know what, pastor said Sunday. Because they're gonna look at you and say, pastor says a lot of things. When he's talking about the Bible, listen. The rest of it just kind of take as, 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 as his commentary. I would say not all the views expressed on Sunday morning are those are a reflection of the management like they sometimes say on TV. But that's not true since I kind of am the management. So um, it's not necessarily the whole group of the church and everybody that's involved and everybody is involved in some way. But things are going great. We're really excited. You're gonna hear testimonies from our church members. You're gonna hear different things. I even plan on having some of the people involved in this process, our architects, our contractors. There'll just be a lot of fun stuff happening this fall. As we revisit, how exciting, the very beginning of the Christian church. And then ask ourselves honestly, okay, after 2,000 years, are we, as the church that's here today, even our church that's 114 years old, are we that New Testament Acts church? And how is God working and moving 
and it will begin with prayer next week. So two weeks of prayer. We're going to talk about prayer two weeks in a row. Let's go to Ephesians and see what the Apostle Paul has to say about prayer as we put on the full armor of God. He first and foremost says, any endeavor that you're a part of, if you recognize the battle between good and evil, between Satan and the enemies of God and God himself and the host of heaven and the people of God, the children of God, the royal priesthood of God, as Peter describes us as the church, if you recognize that, then always, and he emphasizes that four different times in verse 18. The word all extenuates four different places in verse 18 alone and gives us the impression that prayer needs to be a comprehensive activity. He says, pray at all times in the spirit. With every, some of your translations will actually translate and can translate that word every to all. So you can say pray with all prayer and request second one, and the third one, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Prayer is a comprehensive activity for us. It it is the very heartbeat of who we are. God established and created us for the purpose of relationship and then gives us the opportunity to be in that relationship with him and to be in that relationship with him because he wants to be with us. He wants to spend time with us. So many times I feel like in my own life that prayer sometimes gets relegated to a ritual or an activity of worship when that's not what it is. That's the most awkward, quite honestly, of most conversation. You think about conversation with people you're intimate with. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe, maybe it's a really close friend. When you have those official meetings where we're going to sit down and discuss this, those are always kind of awkward. But when you set up that time, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a very formalized understanding of that relationship. Most of your most meaningful conversations take place when you're doing just that, when you're just having a conversation. Maybe you didn't intend to have a conversation. Maybe you're driving someplace and the conversation starts and it builds and and the next thing you know, you're talking about deep aspects of your life. That's what God wants with us. He wants us every moment. He wants us comprehensively. We pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about that next week. We'll see that throughout the book of Acts. We are empowered. We, we have been lifted up to a new plane to be able to relate to and carry on conversation with God. We pray for all prayers, for all requests. There's nothing that should escape us. And so it's great. It's literally great that many of our inboxes will be filled this afternoon with lists of prayers. And even if you can only do it that one time in that one moment, those prayer requests are important. Those are people's lives. Those are people's concerns. Those are people's crises. And they've asked us to step in as reinforcements and pray for them. And we stay alert with all perseverance. Paul's context is still thinking through the warrior's armor. He's still thinking through the reality of this spiritual battle. And he's recognizing when it comes to prayer, this is not the time to fall asleep at your post. Now it happens. Let me, let me just, let me kind of absolve some guilt for some of us. If you are a consistent and regular person who prays, you, every one of us has had those moments when we're praying. 
And something about the quietness, maybe it's the first time that day we've really stilled ourselves. We've really just kind of sat back and stopped. And the next thing we know, we find ourselves asleep. There are times when that's bad. It was bad when Jesus looked at Peter and said, I need you to pray for me. While I'm praying right here in the garden that night before Jesus was arrested and executed, he's right here praying and he told Peter, stay awake and pray. And Peter failed. And his failure in that prayer was the beginning of a long chain of prayers and difficulties and failures. So much so that after Jesus' death and resurrection, he would have to officially reinstate Peter back into leadership because he had failed, and that failure began when he fell asleep. That's one moment in prayer. But read through the book of Psalms and see how many moments when in the context of prayer, God tells us his spirit will speak to us in words of softness and tenderness. I pray almost every night, when Carrie and I pray together, I pray almost every night that God will grant us peaceful, restful, healing sleep. Because I don't need to wake up at two o'clock in the morning thinking about whether or not we're going to approve and have the site plan ready to go to the city on Tuesday tomorrow. And I need God's spirit to calm me. Sometimes it's actually an indication of God's tenderness when you fall asleep in prayer. I've done it so many times, it's ridiculous. Because Carrie and I pray the very last thing in the evening, there have been numerous times when I will be mid-sentence and fall asleep. I mean, I like praying, talking to God. And she's listening, and I fall asleep. One of the worst, I was with a team, we were preaching services, and that team decided to pray before the service. And there are some people who pray, um, and it's more difficult to stay awake during their prayers. And we had one of those on that team. He was praying very softly, very monotone, very disfeded, and it just and I fell asleep. I, mean, I was sound asleep. I mean, we were doing three services a day at that time, every day of the week. I just fell sound asleep. The worst part was, I guess it got so quiet, it woke me up. <laughs> and I don't know how long I've been asleep. I don't know who was the last person to pray. Kind of opened my eyes a little bit. They're all still sitting there. They've all got their heads bowed. I'm like, dang, what do you do? I was sound asleep. I have no idea where we are. So I just kind of took the pastor lead and prayed something and said, thank you, Jesus. Hey, in Christ's name, amen. They all went, amen. I found out later, they were all sitting there going, is he asleep? No. <laughs> he was really intense. Maybe, maybe he's just that burdened in the spirit. No, I was out cold. But It happens. We beat ourselves up over something that should be very natural and very common. Pray all the times and let the Spirit of God work. Pray over every prayer and every request. Pray with a perseverance and and stay alert unless God says this is the time to rest and pray for all the saints. Pray for all believers. Every one of us needs prayer. None of us are outside of the need and the necessity of prayer. Make prayer comprehensive. Make prayer modest. I just love this. I'm not going to go real in-depth because there's not a whole lot of depth here to go. But I love the fact that the Apostle Paul, who we revere in many ways in this generation because we look back. Here's a man who wrote nearly a third of the New Testament. 
And he, and he, he says to the church in Ephesus that he's writing this letter to, pray also for me. This is now the Apostle Paul asking for prayer. Pray that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth and make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel was the way Paul loved to refer to the message of hope that was found in Jesus. That was kind of his phrase that he coined picking up from some of his Hebrew background. Pray that he would speak it, that he would have the message, and that he would be bold when he does it. And then he repeats himself in verse 20. For this... I am an ambassador in change. My role is an an apostle. Pray that I may be bold enough to speak about it as I should. This guy wrote the majority of our New Testament. This guy, there are amazing stories and we're not gonna see them so much this fall because we're in the first 12 chapters and he doesn't really come into the picture until chapter 13 other than his conversion in chapter nine. So we're not gonna necessarily see it at this point in time. Probably in the spring, we'll get a chance to take a look at that. Yet, he was modest enough to look to the church and say, pray for me. Pray for me. Because just like every other human being, there are times when I'm shy, times when I'm embarrassed, times when I may not want to open my mouth, times when I may be flat out afraid to open my mouth. And he says, pray for me. It's okay to be modest, and it's okay to be honest in prayer and recognize we need help. You, you can make that commitment today. Everything that's happening in the life of our church needs to be completely covered in prayer. And I need your covering. I'm, I'm anxious. There's so much involved in this fall and this teaching series and all the things that are, everybody's working on and we're all putting in extra hours and, and doing everything to get everything up and going. Pray for us. Pray for the services. Pray for what God is doing. We can be modest. We're not trying to put on airs. We're not, that's who we are. Our core values are authentic relationships. We're not trying to make ourselves out to be somebody that we're not. Pray for us. Pray for one another and do so in modesty. And along that same thing, it's just, it's just kind of a collective. He says in verse 21 that he's sending Tychicus, his friend, he calls him my dearly loved brother, and my faithful servant, that word literally means deacon, and so we believe, most of us believe, that at this point in time, Tachysis is a deacon, probably there in the church at Ephesus. He's a servant in the Lord. We all, he will tell you all the news about me so that you will be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your heart, because we're all in this together. The apostle Paul's in Rome. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. He can't go because he's under house arrest, but he's sending his most tra- trusted friend, brother in Christ, companion, fellow minister, to go to that church and to talk to them because the church is a collective. It might surprise some um, with a much stronger territorial view of the life of the church. But our worship team this morning, we have pre-meetings before every service. We go through every detail. That way we can be real sure when something goes wrong, we know what went wrong and where it went wrong and hopefully how to fix it before next week. We do that every Sunday morning. They have rehearsal. They go to Bible study. They come together. We pray together. We look at the service, every detail of it. It may surprise some of you that this morning we prayed for another church. Church Project in the Woodlands, many of us have friends on that staff. Um, They launched this morning at the high school stadium in the, I forget it's Commons Room or something like that, but they're they're launching that church, they're starting that church, it's Church Project Tomball, they're starting it uh, um, in the stadium this morning, and we prayed for the success of their first service. We prayed for them being in that service. 
Because we realize the, the body of Christ is collective. It's not, it's not territorial. There are more than enough people in the Tomball region that need to hear the love of Jesus. We can stand for a few more good biblical churches to be in our community. Because we're in this together. Over and over again. Paul emphasized that so much in the first part of Ephesians. That we are God's workmanship designed to do good things and we're designed to promote and carry on his kingdom work together. It's a, it's a collective. It was never designed as a competition. That's when our own hearts and our own flesh and our own minds take over. It's a collective. And that prayer do that. I challenge you. This is what I do with my life. This is a discipline I started years ago. Every time I pass a church, I pass that church and I pray for that church. I have the benefit of knowing most of the pastors in this region, and so I pray for that pastor. Every time you pass a church, when you're going home today and you pass a church, pray for that church. Because this is the warfare that we are a part of and that we are challenged to put on the full armor of God and to go forth and to aggressively, as as Jesus promised us, the church will prevail. The gates of hell cannot stand against us. We are on the winning team and there is no reason to back down on anything and let's all do it together. And then lastly and most importantly, something that just has come to mean a lot to me in these last few years as I've gotten older and as I've seen and experienced a lot of things and like yesterday, losing a good friend, somebody I've worked with the entire time I've been here in Tombaugh, they said prayer is always hopeful. Yes, it's comprehensive and there's some intensity to that. Yes, it should be modest and that could be discomforting at times. And yes, it's collective, it's all of us, but it's sometimes kind of hard to understand the collective nature of the church but there's hope. Paul's last words to the church at Ephesus, peace, peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, in verse 24, be with all of you who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. And I highlighted those words I emphasized verbally just now. Peace, love, faith, grace, have undying love. I've highlighted all those words in my Bible because there's hope. You know, the very thought of calling in reinforcements creates hope. Whether you're an officer on the street and you're in a difficult set of circumstances and you call back to dispatch because you need help and when you see them come, it's hopeful. whether or not you're working on something, some project, and it's beyond your, your skill set. And you think of the friend that you can call who has that skill set, and they arrive at the house to help you make that repair. It's hopeful. If you're in a hospital and your deacon shows up, one of our deacons comes and sits next to your bed and holds your hands and prays with you as a representative part of our whole family. They're there for us. They're there for me. They're there for you. It's hopeful. That's the church. Because this is always and always has been the church of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, came here for us. He didn't wait for us to get to heaven to sort it all out. He came down here, lived with us in all of our mess, 
lived with us in all of our circumstances, with all of our pain, with all of our sorrow. Jesus walked into rooms where parents had lost children. Jesus walked into fields where people didn't have enough food and sustenance. Jesus went to a wedding where they didn't have enough beverage to serve to the crowd. Jesus has been intervening in difficult moments the entirety of his existence, and his existence is obviously infinite. He always has been, always will be, and always will be forever. And now he calls on the church as his incarnate, his, his fleshly appearance, the, the physical reflection of God is what you see in this room. And says, pray to me, pray. Pray in everything, and I'll send in reinforcements. I'll give you my spirit to counsel and help through this time of uncertainty. I'll give you my people to live with, to learn with, to celebrate, and to worship with. We are not by ourselves. He is with us, and he has given us one another to be together. This is our season. This is our window to do great things for the glory of God. And we'll do it with the power of God.